The scripture reading for this day is from Exodus chapter 14, beginning at verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the minds of Pharaoh and his officials were changed toward the people. And they said, What have we done? Letting Israel leave our service? So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took six hundred picked chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out boldly. The Egyptians pursued them. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his chariot drivers and his army, they overtook them camped by the sea. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die here in the wilderness? What have we done to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you lift up your staff and stretch it out, your hand over the sea, and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them. And so I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his chariot drivers. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained glory for myself over Pharaoh and his chariots and his chariot drivers. The angel of God, who was going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground. The waters formed a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptian pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to all of you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This worship service marks the end of our preaching series 
on the first two books of the Bible, Genesis and Exodus. And we have learned much about God's creative activity in Genesis and the book of Exodus. We learned that God always wants peace and justice and compassion for all people, for the entire world. And that God is always working from the underside of history to make that happen. We have learned that God's creative activity continues throughout the Bible. It's not just for Genesis chapter 1. And today, the story of the Red Sea crossing in the Exodus account is one such example of God's creative activity. By helping the Hebrew people escape slavery, God was creating a more just world, a more perfect world, a more Garden of Eden world. The world was distorted and broken when the Egyptian people used their power to oppress the Hebrew slaves. So God went to work on the conscience of Moses. God called Moses. God called Moses to help mend the world, to bring justice to the distortion. Moses felt a compulsion when he heard God's voice to seek freedom for his people, his oppressed people. So he spoke out to the most powerful person in the world, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and said, let my people go. Finally, Pharaoh said, yes, go. Go, get out of here. But then he changed his mind. And Pharaoh sent his chariots after the Hebrew slaves. He wanted them back. He wanted the way the world was before. So hundreds of chariots charged out after the Hebrew slaves who were now trapped with the Egyptian army coming on one side and the Red Sea on the other. What were they to do? It seemed an impossible situation. There was no solution. That world of freedom and justice and compassion, it was an illusion. The real world, they were realizing, was controlled by power, economic and military power. And it involved oppression and injustice and selfishness. It's just the way things were. They might as well give up on the dream. Moses, Moses, they said, we give up. We'll never be free. We might as well accept things the way they are. We might as well accept things the way they are. How many times have we said similar words when our dreams fail? How many times are we like the Hebrew people? How many times do we find ourselves trapped with no way forward? The Egyptians threatening from one direction, the Red Sea barrier on the other. Those were symbols of things that trap us and our society in dysfunction and despair and injustice and sin. What are the things that might hem you in, prevent you from moving forward, prevent you from living out your dream. Barriers like, oh, I'm just not smart enough to get into the college of my dreams, or I'm not talented enough to make the team or the orchestra, or I'll never find someone to love, I'll never have a new house, or I'll always be lonely. We could make similar statements about our society. Oh, 
America has a history of racism, will never know full equality. Oh, the country is divided so terribly now that they'll never work together, will never find compromise. The rich control the media, the politics, the economy. It'll never change. The homeless will always be with us. It's too late to save the climate. It's just not possible to care for the environment and have a strong economy. These are all statements the Hebrew people could have made. As they watched the Egyptians coming from one direction, the Red Sea and the other, it seemed impossible that things could not be different than the way they were. You see, the story we've read today is not an ancient story. It's our story. We're the Hebrew people trapped between our temptation to go backward and give up versus the desire to move forward and to live the dream. It's just at that point of hesitation and disillusionment that Moses says to the people, God will lead us forward. God will inspire us. The future is positive. The dream, it's real. In the story, we have of the Red Sea parting. The Hebrew people courageously walked through the waters on dry ground. Now, scientific minds tend to dismiss the story totally as physically impossible. And then people who interpret the Bible literally argue that there was a wall of water on either side. Neither group focuses on the real meaning of the story. Neither group consider the story and its symbolism. Neither group thinks of the story as our story. Do you remember the creation story we studied earlier this summer when the breath of God blew over the face of the deep, the waters, pushing it back, pushing the waters back? Or verse 9, where God said, let the waters be gathered and let the dry land appear. It was God's creative activity to push back the waters. And the Hebrew people all knew that the reference to water was a symbol of a reference to chaos, to disorder, to danger, to impossible barriers. The Red Sea crossing with a wall of water on each side was not meant to be a literal story. It was meant to teach us that God is present and pushing back against the most impossible barriers like racism, political polarization, personal insecurity, or death. The Red Sea crossing was an ancient story the Hebrew people told to each other to encourage each other when life seemed impossible and chaos threatened. The Red Sea crossing was a way for Hebrew people to remind themselves that the dream, it's real. Goodness does prevail. Justice can thrive. Equality can be realized and happiness can be achieved. What I especially like about the Red Sea crossing is that God opens the way for a positive future for the Hebrew people, but they must walk. They must walk with a wall of water on each side. What a great symbol that is. We walk forward in life with hope and courage, trusting God with a wall of chaos on either side, a wall of worry on one side, a wall of danger on the other. 
Do you ever feel like that? Walking with a wall of worry on one side and a wall of danger on the other? We have so much to worry about today from political polarization to pandemic to economic collapse. It makes a person want to cocoon into one's own little home, pull back the curtains and binge watch old TV shows. We can be as frozen and as hesitant as the Hebrew people who thought they were trapped. Well, they weren't trapped. God was present to them and inspired them. And they walked their dream to a better future. The Hebrew people left their apathy and their hesitation behind and they found their courage, or maybe I should say they found God's courage and they acted. They moved forward. We have seen that same kind of courage throughout the centuries. People facing impossible barriers and yet moving forward. It's like the Christians of the 14th century who faced the bubonic plague, worse than our own today. Not by running away, but instead by establishing hospitals. It's like Martin Luther and the very risky movement he started to bring reformation to the church. It seemed impossible at the time. It's like the abolitionists in America in the 19th century, most of them Christians, working to end slavery when the white establishment held all the power. It seemed an impossible barrier. It's like the suffragette movement in the early 20th century, the civil rights movement in the middle of the 20th century, or the LGBTQIA movement at the end of the 20th century. People could have stayed home, played it safe, cocooned from the dysfunctions of the world, but they faced the barriers, the impossible barriers, with God's good courage. The Red Sea story in the crossing of that Red Sea is repeated again and again throughout history. Time and time again, we see people facing Impossible barriers. They hesitate first, but then they move forward. And the waters part. We, of course, face many barriers today, you and I. Personal ones, societal, and existential. Our existential barrier is probably the most profound. And that barrier is called death. Death it's a barrier before all of us, and it seems impossible. It seems like the ultimate, and there's no way forward. Well, Jesus is our new Moses. Moses led the people out of oppression and into freedom. Jesus leads us to face our personal barriers, our societal barriers, and our existential barrier. Death is the Red Sea. There is no positive way forward, and yet Jesus himself moved into the reality of death, and the waters parted, and he lived. Jesus parted the waters of death for us, so that when it is our turn to stand on the shore of eternity, we will do so with good courage and confidence. We will be unafraid,
to step into the unknown. So, as we conclude this preaching series on Genesis and Exodus, we have learned that God continually calls us forward to health and wholeness and freedom and justice and eternal life. God seeks to heal us as individuals, as families, as a society, as a world. We have learned that even though the barriers seem absolutely impossible, especially the barrier we call death, God always creates a path to a positive future. Such is our hope, such is our faith, such is our confidence in Almighty God through the power and presence of Jesus Christ. Amen.